Hello and welcome to the second series of the Convergence Radio Show. My name is Ben Bowler from Unity Earth and we are delighted to be bringing you this series. Over the last 12 months, there continues to be a tremendous upswing in groups and organizations who are working for peace, sustainability and global unity and who are now finding each other and initiating innovative and inspirational ways of collaboration. We see this interwoven work as the gestation period of an emerging world unity movement and it's growing stronger and more vibrant and more alive every day. After the great success of Series 1, the first 13 episodes of this Convergence radio show, we felt both compelled and excited to continue the conversation with thought leaders, pioneers, activists, artists, entrepreneurs and visionaries who are all powerfully participating in this emerging global act of creation. The need for global unity, planetary consciousness, has never been more urgent and never been more possible. As we inspire and encourage one another on our personal journeys of waking up and growing up, this then drives the collective waking up and growing up that we need. The time really is now. Together, all together, we continue to fuel the fire and this momentous build-up on the road to 2020 towards a more unified, peaceful and sustainable planet. Now over to our chief instigator and your series host, the one and only Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thanks, Ben Bowler, for that introduction to the Convergence series. We're really excited about this new Voice America special. We'll be announcing the publication of our new magazine, Light on Light, a magazine on spiritual practice and inspired lifestyle. And we'll be featuring guests from the section of that magazine, Spotlight on Yoga, along with also announcing a concert in Boulder, Colorado on April 10th with a special cast of sacred musicians. Now, as you'll see as you listen through this episode, we note that we'll actually be continuing the discussions from the original episode two of The Convergence on spiritual practice, where our guests were Ken Wilbur, Father Thomas Keating, Locke Kelly, and from the yoga community, Karuna and Elena Brower. And they are all joining us also with articles for the magazine. So we're really happy then to have both Karuna and Elena back with us today. And you'll note that we'll be referring often to our earlier discussions from Convergence Episode 2. Now the other reason for having Karuna here is that she is also the host editor of the new magazine Light on Light. So with those comments, let me tell you in full who is going to be on the program and what we'll be sharing about. The program will have three sections. The first is a discussion of the light, launch of Light on Light magazine and the concert in Boulder, Colorado that is a part of its launch. For that, in this first segment, we'll have Karuna and Shannon Winters from Light on Light magazine and Guru Ganesha of the Guru Ganesha Band and ConsciousSelling.com of the Conscious Business Community. You'll find full bios for them at the Voice America webpage. Karuna is the founder of LightOnKundalini.com and also a part of the Convergence host team here at Voice America. And she's also host editor of Light on Light magazine. Shannon Winters is the managing editor of Light on Light, 
And Guru Ganesha, as I said, is the leader of the Guru Ganesha band that will headline the concert in Boulder. The second segment will be intimate dialogues on yoga between well-known yoga teachers and leaders, Karuna, Shiva Ray, Elena Brower, and Sanatam Kaur. Each of these will have its own introductory section, so there's no need for me to say more here. Then lastly, we have a concluding section where we can take a look at all of this at a global perspective. And in that section, we have Denise Scotto, who is chairperson for the United Nations NGO Committee for International Yoga Day, and Irina Morrison from Unity Earth, who is both a yogini and the communications director for Unity Earth, the sponsor of the Convergence on Voice America. So with no further delay, let's go right over to greeting Karuna and Shannon. So welcome to Karuna and Shannon, who are respectively the host and managing editors of the new magazine, Light on Light. So Shannon, why don't you start out by introducing the magazine and then fielding some questions to your host editor, Karuna, to further describe and discuss the magazine, its goal, contributors, what it looks like, and so on. Thank you so much, Kurt. We're excited to share the news about the recent debut of the magazine, Light on Light. Light on Light magazine is from the Interspiritual Network, which is a member of the Unity Earth Network. It's a free digital magazine dedicated to the light of wisdoms, inspirations, and transformation found within spiritual practices and inspired lifestyles, with focus on flourishing of health, mind, heart, and spirit every day. What makes Light on Light so unique is that we welcome the sharing of spiritual practices across a myriad of pathways both in and beyond the world's wisdom traditions and religions. We honor the light found within each of these paths and the inner divine light within each person. It's such a joy for me to be here today with you, Kurt, as well as with our host editor, Karuna, as she held the original vision for launching Light on Light. Karuna, what would you say is the overall vision for Light on Light magazine? Well, thank you so much, um, Shannon, for everything that you've said here thus far, and Kurt, for honoring this path of a yogic lifestyle. And Light on Light is offered with openness in the spirit of inquiry and exploration. It's truly an exploration of heart center and the heart. And not just the health of the heart, but the oneness that brings us on our journey to lead us into the victory of our true nature, our our authentic voice, which is why I love that Guru Ganesha is on the phone as well, because it's such a beautiful awakening to understand the music and the power of the sound current. It's an invitation for all of us to participate and to share wisdom and experiences When I think of light on life, I think of light on life, actually, which is life is a dream come true, and illuminating this path of practices of true freedom, honoring individual paths, shining light on where these paths are already connecting and always having practices front and center. It takes practice, and it takes time to realize the true freedom. Oh, that's so lovely and well said, Karuna. Thank you. Now, in each issue of Light on Light, we have renowned contributors across the global integral, interfaith, and interspiritual communities. Would you mind sharing about some of the features and contributors that we have in our first issue? 
Oh, I know. Amazing. Yes, we're so delighted to have in our first issue, which is being launched very soon, a feature by my dear brother and friend Ken Wilber and Dustin DiPerna, presenting an integral approach to spiritual transformation and the process of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. We're also welcoming Locke Kelly, who discusses awakenings through effortless mindfulness and include an entire spotlight on yoga section that synergizes with this radio special today. There are more than 20 contributors in our first issue And we will explore and share their unique and diverse spiritual practices and be inspired by lifestyles across the spectrum. Spiritual practice shows up in all aspects of our daily lives, whether it be our relationships, our careers, hobbies, health, well-being, nutrition, even fashion, families, ceremonies. The list goes on and on and on, and this is why we call it lifestyle. Light on Light features columns and articles across the gamut of topics relating them to spirituality, which is our really true inner self, our spirit. For example, we'll feature transformational stories, spiritual traveling experiences, making every part of even your vacation a part of your yoga practice, your transformation, your poetry, your music, artwork, fictional short stories, to name just a few of these sections. Absolutely. I mean, truly, Light on Light explores and shares the light of wisdom, inspiration, and transformation across all ages and all stages and experiences of life on our journeys. No matter where you are on your journey today, whether you may feel as if you've lost your inner light or are seeking to further grow and develop in spiritual practices, or if you're already letting your inner sunshine radiantly in the world, we welcome you all to the pages of Light on Light to learn, explore, and shine your light with us here. Speaking of shining lights, Karuna, would you describe the opportunities that the magazine has for contributors and readers to interact and share their own stories? This is really important, absolutely. Light on Light welcomes authors and spiritual teachers to contribute, and also our own communities, our little, net, you know, large, small, whatever community, network, and readers as well. We welcome light-filled sub- submissions of wisdom, of inspiration, of transformation for feature articles and personal transformational stories poetry and your artwork and more, including the shine your light, quote unquote, pages where we feature quotes, verses, photos, and meaningful tidbits of wisdoms and inspirations from all around the world. We want everyone's voice feeling really a page is opening for you to get your print onto it. We welcome brief descriptions of content and ideas to be emailed to editor at lightonlight.us. Thank you so much, Karuna. And just to wrap it up, Light on Light magazine is available online via the ISSUU publishing platform. Listeners of this show are welcome to email us directly at editor at lightonlight.us for the link or find Light on Light on Facebook or via Google search. Thank you again so much, Karuna, and back to you, Kurt. Well, thank you so much. Boy, thank you so much, Karuna and Shannon. 
Now, as I've said, you know, Light on Light is also co-sponsoring a concert in Boulder, Colorado on April 10th as part of the magazine's launch uh, with Guru Ganesha and the Guru Ganesha Band. So, Karuna, can you introduce Guru Ganesha and then the two of you tell us about the concert? Well, it's my absolute pleasure and um, privilege to introduce to you all Guru Ganesha. A dear friend, Guru Ganesha, you have a new album out called People of Love, which revolves around the making of this album because of our troubled times. Even a song in this album is is quoted, troubled times. People are feeling lost. People feel like they need to find something and feel grounded and uplifted, and this is why we want to bring you to Boulder, Colorado on April 10th. Can you speak a little bit about what revolved around the making of this album? Absolutely. Well, first of all, heartfelt gratitude for bringing us to Boulder, and uh, I guess the timing couldn't be better for the launch of this great new magazine. I mean, uh, these are indeed troubled times with the current political atmosphere. I think we're, we're all feeling uh, varying amounts of uh, stress and fear, and I, I think it's important uh, uh, for us to come together and, uh, and uh, give ourselves permit, permission, in, in, in addition to uh, being politically active and, and resisting, it's important that we get together and relax and rejoice. And so the music that we're doing and uh, on our new album is designed to uh, help people choose love and joy over fear and stress. Uh, you know, some of the things that have been said about the music uh, are kind of amusing. Uh, one person said, well, uh, we, we sound like the Grateful Dead on Kundalini Yoga. And... Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, uh, a Rolling Stone writer said that, oh, yeah, this is truly rock and roll for the soul. But in essence, we're, we're a jam band that does mantras and uses divine poetry from Rumi and Gurnanic for lyrics. And I, I picture this, hundreds of us together singing uh, peace to all, light to all, love to all. Mm. And just and feeling that uh, the, the 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 joy of and bliss of community, and sending out that love and healing energy to the whole planet because God knows we need it. And the conscious selling uh, workshop after the concert the following day in Gold Hill. Can you say something briefly about that, please? Well, for three decades, uh, I've been. Uh, training uh, professional salespeople, professional business people, how to, how to do business in a way that reintegrates with their highest self, how to operate with, uh, with integrity, honesty, but in, in, uh, very effectively, too. So I teach people how to, how to acquire uh, uh, new clients for their businesses by, by having the right intention. And, and going into, you know, conversations with prospective clients with the mindset, you know, I don't know yet if we're right for you. I have to really understand what you're trying to accomplish. And then being totally honest and, and only uh, uh, proposing to do business if you have the utter conviction that your client is going to get a great return on their investment. Otherwise, uh, it's best not to do business. It's got to be a win-win every step of the way. 
Thank you so much, Guru Ganesha. And for the climate of America, let's all get together and have a very uplifting concert, dear one. Thank you so much. And to all oh, the bright light on light. All the guys in the band who have come together to put this album together, we thank them as well. We look forward to having you. Satnam. Hey, great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, uh, Karuna, Shannon, and Guru Ganesha. So now we're going to be going over directly to uh, Karuna and uh, Shiva Ray to initiate our conversations about yoga, which continue from our discussions in Convergence Episode 2 on spiritual practice. And I want to point out that the video discussions and videos of the sample spiritual practices that accompany this radio special can be found at our webpage at www.unity.earth slash convergence at episode 5. Again, that's www.unity.earth slash convergence. Just scroll down to episode 5. So take a look. And further, all of the yoga videos mentioned on the program today are also linked in the first issue of Light on Light magazine. Okay, so now I'm going to take a second to move right over to another line where I can welcome Karuna and Shiva Ray. So pardon if there's initially any little fluctuation in the volume. That happens sometimes. So here we go. Welcome. This is Dr. Kurt Johnson, the host of The Convergence on Voice America. And we're here continuing our conversation from episode two of The Convergence on spiritual practice. And our guests on that original program were Ken Wilbur, Father Thomas Keating, Locke Kelly, and from the yoga community, Karuna and Elena Brower. And Karuna is with us today, and she's joined by someone we really are so happy to have, one of the most well-known personalities in the global yoga community, Shiva Ray. So we're going to be talking about yoga, of course. And the first thing I want to do is ask each of them to just say hello to you as an audience and introduce themselves, uh, say a little bit about their organization and their work, and then I'll field the first topic. So, Shiva, do you want to start? Uh, thank you, Kurt. I'm so happy to be here. I really consider myself as a global citizen and a global yoga teacher. Uh, I have a school called the Samudra Global School of Living Yoga, and it's really based on offering yoga for everyone, um, but mainly training teachers to kind of be at the, the front line of the transformation of the embodiment. So uh, it's a great honor to be here. All right, Karuna. Hi there, Kurt. Nice to see you again. And Shiva, so good to be with you here. I'm so blessed to be with you both. Thank you for having me again. And um, so, yes, Light on Kundalini is my website. And uh, instead of dabbling in something, I dove straight into Kundalini. And it's been so rewarding um, developing 170 teachers locally to become teachers of this science of awareness and this yoga 
um, hate to call it technology, but it is a science. So technology is what it is. And retreats all over the world and now going to the European Yoga Festival uh, this year to be with the real festival goers. Apparently, this is the true festival of all. So I'm really excited to uh, be with you here today and with you, Shiva, my dear sister. Thank yes, you. so wonderful. I'm trying to be very brief because I know Kurt has so many yes. uh, topics. But I yeah, and we're also going to have a chance to talk very specifically about what each of you do. So anyway, obviously, we're going to be talking about yoga. And one of the reasons that I'm here is that a committee at the UN that I uh, chair is the Committee on Spirituality, Values, and Global Concerns. And a part of that work then is being on the Committee for International Yoga Day, June 21st every year. So what that brings up is that we want to talk about in this first uh, exchange about yoga itself. I mean, obviously, it's really come to the fore in the world. People have discovered how important it is, not only spiritually, but for health and well-being and success. So I just want to hand it over to each of you to talk about just in general yoga itself, what's become of it, why it's so big and why it's so important. So Shiva, over to you. Well, I wrote my master's thesis at UCLA in the Department of World Arts and Culture on yoga as a practice of embodiment. And I think the reason why yoga has spread the world is that it brings people directly in touch with the healing, the dis-ease, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, that I feel is really unprecedented in terms of, of what we've experienced in these rapid changes to our embodiment over the last couple hundred years. So I feel like um, yoga brings people in touch with just the simplest uh, reflection of that in our breath and kind of the divide between our awareness, how we can be aware, but yet sometimes completely disconnected from this extraordinary experience of our cellular intelligence and the healing power of that. So I feel that, um, you know, often yoga is described as, oh, it's become this fitness craze, uh, it's spreading. I, I feel Karuna and I are both very much dedicated to uh, the roots of yoga. Uh, I go back. This is my be my sixteenth pilgrimage back to to India. But I'm very interested in the roots and evolution of yoga and how this has become a global practice and how this can really uh, shift consciousness from what I think often uh, doesn't get uh, emphasized enough, which is we have so much information, but how is this actually translate into realization, a mm. healing, mm. a real change. And I think because yoga really brings us to this direct relationship that we can feel just even in this moment, how we're breathing. Mm. It's like a symbol of this potentiality that also exists in renewable energy. And I know we'll be talking about this later. And the system of yoga has been so profoundly documented in both oral tradition and terms of a system of practice that it has been easy in some ways for it to spread globally because the practices have been um, really in play when we say for thousands of years. Um, I think when people ask me how old is yoga, I usually will say based upon my anthropology background, um, perhaps 
two million years, like to say 5,000 years, meaning that there's also the yoga that exists in all of the wisdom of our ancestral path that perhaps began around the fire. Whenever we started to um, have the ability to kindle fire, and that's how far back our uh, record goes, we started to enter into a different state of consciousness, perhaps the beginning of meditation, of reflection, of healing. Um, you know, the first yoga was perhaps dance around the fire or chanting. And I don't mean to say that in a romantic way, but I mean in that real sense that yoga is bigger than India. Uh, yoga is as deep as our cellular wisdom. And it's because of that, it's surviving an onslaught of global commercialization and appropriation. In the end, it is our direct relationship with our life force. Okay, so thank you so much. And uh, so that's interesting because it puts it really in such a historical and international perspective. So Karuna, over to you. I don't think I have anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. You'll be like Father Keating. I think it's just been covered. <laughs> You'll be like Father Keating who says, I don't have anything to say about that. And then two hours later. No, I agree with everything uh, Shiva just said. And thank you so much. You just transported me back to the, the original state of where I stepped into a yoga class and said, you know, I want that for the rest of my life. That was the only thing I could see from my sister's eyes when she came to visit me in New York City. I took her to a yoga class, and when I picked her up, I dropped her off. I was, I was three months pregnant with my daughter, and I, when I dropped her off, I was like, I'll take that. Whatever that is, I'm going to take that. Yes. So, you know, since then, and Emily's now almost 31, um, this May, she'll be 31, I, Emily was my daughter, I um, haven't stopped doing this practice for three decades, and then when I met my mentor, Gurmukh, I was, you know, she said, Karuna, you're a teacher, so just get over the fact you're, you know, you'll be a student, but you're a teacher, and you, and this is your destiny. And I believed her in like 30 seconds. It didn't take me anything to meet Swamiji, which we who we both know, Shiva. Go see Swamiji um, in India seven times and be a part of all the teacher trainings and say, oh my God, my life has changed. My life has changed on its own. I haven't done anything except show up. And when I look out at this mountain range and I say, she's my teacher. Those 33 peaks out there are my teachers. And yes, I can go and I can travel and I can be best I can a teacher of this practice. But it's really, it was really the science that really said to me, the meditations that really showed me, oh, actually this works. Because yes, you know, we've done, you know, decades of, Anasar, decades of Iyengar, decades of Hatha, and yet it was, you know, something about the meditation, about the stillness and the awareness that actually there was something that could come in with the crystallized, you know, form inside of me that was already living in me that could transform me into a place of happiness, a place of peace, a place of being a mother, to the earth, putting my blueprint, you know, my, my carbon 
footprint lightly on her back you know and swimming in her waters as the native americans call it the blood of the universe and just really going in deeper and understanding the essence of what it takes to yes women we have not been able to do yoga for more than 100 years actually because it was only men that got to practice yoga. Oh, no, no, maybe in Kundalini, but not in uh, other tantras. I want to tell you about that. And, um, and so, you know, maybe it's more than 100 now. But, um, you know, the 4,000 uh, Kriyas that we go through go so fast. And we develop the Kriya, the asana practice, into such a way that we unfold these patterns, these subconscious patterns that have been, you know, keeping us as women pulled back slightly. And now we're just, I see women, and I work with a lot of women in their 50s, and they're really, you know, empty nesters now, and they're coming out of their shells, and they're going, how is it that you don't age? How is it that you can just be exactly how, you know, it looks wise anyway, that you don't age? And so it's a really anti-aging process that draws people to yoga. They see the brightness of the cheeks, and they see that, you know, I can live peacefully and I can actually have a relationship with everyone, including the four-legged, the winged ones, the plant kingdom and all those that creep and crawl and fly. I can actually have a relationship with myself. And I think, you know, as we bow to this practice on a daily basis, what are we bowing to? I always ask the student, what are we bowing to? What are you bowing to right now as you're stretching your hips? What are you bowing to as you put your third eye point down? What are you taking in? And so I think people are relating now. And also with this era that we're in, which is so up and down, and there's not, and there's so many diseases, as you mentioned, Shiva, and so much cancer, so much this and so much that that we can be like this the whole day long. And yet, where do we find that equanimity? Where do we find that serenity? And it is in yoga practice. It is a yoke at the union of the soul. It is coming back to find that we, each and every one of us, have the patience and the tolerance to observe the inside. And that comes with sitting. And so we don't have to go in the caves, although they're really pretty. <laughs> There are a few mice in the caves, though, in India, aren't there? <laughs> if you open your eyes, they run across. But, you know, so I think that's what's drawing people to nature back home. No, that's great. Thank you, Karuna. So uh, there's so many things I could say, but I want to go right back to Shiva because you were wagging along with this, and I know there's a lot that's going on in you that wants to comment. So go ahead. Well, you know, that's why I love a dialogue because um, when you go back into the lesser known teachings of the yoginis, um, you find they were there. Uh, they just were not necessarily holding the teachings in the same way as the men. Like um, I went to Kajarahu to go to the 64 yogini temple, which was really a place um, in which we can see perhaps the balance that was in uh, agrarian societies 
you know, is part of what this larger dialogue of, you know, what happened to the indigenous wisdom? Um, mm. What happened when uh, a patriarchy swept through? And um, I don't say that in a polarizing way, just that was the beginning of an imbalance towards the earth and the sacred feminine that you were speaking mm. to. Um, and, and so I, I felt a need to go back and try and understand who were the women teachers, who were the yoginis. Mm. And I uh, discovered is not just this, the strain of patriarchy that did uh, oppress uh, women and that we do hear about in texts that you would have to be born in the next life in order to be uh, illuminated. Uh, but the revolution of what most scholars see is the, is the roots of, when we say, postures, yoga postures, which I think is the most disastrous translation uh, that has affected the modern world. Um, because originally, they were not seen as postures. Uh, they were mudras that came as an expression of this flow of consciousness and that the embodiment of consciousness that was held in the tantras was perhaps the reflection of the indigenous wisdom. Um, this is something that you see scholars describing where the unbroken connection to the goddess and to the earth mother continues in tantra as this now integration of Shiva and Shakti as one. Um, even if anything, a... a um, offering to the great mother, almost like the black holes at the center of our universe, an offering to the great mystery of, of the, the ground of being from which everything arises, it really becomes almost genderless in that union of clarity that we see for the first time um, from the 6th century through about the 14th century that texts that describe the greatest birth is to be a woman. Uh, the 64 yoginis were worshiping Shakti in these 64 forms in a circular temple with open air. And then we see, um, you know, in the beginning of the 12th and 13th century, brutal destruction of these primary temples. So when I went to the 64 yogini temple, there was no image of the goddess. It's empty because she was cut out. Yet the locals go every day and they offer flour to that empty niche, 64, offer a flower, offer the prayers to the great mother. Because I do feel that part of what uh, Western yoga students are just now being able to receive is the text from these yogini teachers, whether it's from Sahaja Yogini Chinta or Laleshwari, and this continuation to modern day women teachers who are doing so much work, uh, like uh, Amaji, you know, say, she's my teacher. And uh, she's, she's given this embrace of all being. She will sit all day, embrace sometimes seven, eight, 10,000 people. It does not, it's beyond one's imagination how this is possible. And so I feel this activation of women in yoga is part of this larger healing of our connection to our body for men and women. Because yoga isn't gender-based, but it does say when embodied, consciousness is alive 
as the earth within us, mm -hmm. as all the elements within us. It's not something to be transcended. So the tantric revolution was to say all men and women, all beings, no class, because it wasn't just men and women that were often separated, um, but also classes of practitioners. So it's almost like we're now ready to understand both historically and also in our practices that the roots of modern day asana postures uh, are actually found in this much deeper revolution that is happening around the world as people become more connected to their body as being inseparable from nature and the fate of what we're doing to the earth if we look we're doing the same thing to ourselves we're poisoning ourselves um, no animals do this they don't poison their bed they they take care so yoga in a way as you described karuna is this inner revolution um that is actually about bringing balance it's not about upheaval but it's about kind of breaking through both personally and culturally and also in our relationship to the earth healing patterns that are perpetuating suffering and when we look at the history of yoga we look at this long continuum and it actually relates to all of our history and all of our destiny. No, absolutely. And we're going to have a chance to uh, come back to this. So I was going to say, sometimes we get the echo when we have a disturbance in the signal. And I'll talk to you about that when we go offline here in a moment. I was going to just mention also that Ken Wilber tends to mention that 100-year horizon. And he really means that it's, it's finally when all the pieces are together, like both of you just said, that all of this can go forward in this convergent manner. So the roots go way, way, way back. But what an opportunity in this last century for us to take the whole globe this direction. So thank you so much. We've been listening to Karuna and Shiva Ray talking about yoga on a global scale. And we'll be back again with another segment in a moment. Over the last 18 months, this Convergence radio series has been covering events on the road to 2020. Launched in New York in 2016, the Road to 2020 is a series of global events bringing greater visibility to the work of unity, peace, justice, harmony, and world transformation. Events so far have included the Crestone Convergence in Colorado, the return to country of Mungo Man in Australia, and Uday Festival in Ethiopia. Next along the road is the Toronto Convergence, coinciding with the Parliament of World's Religions in November 2018. 2019 will showcase Uday Festival in India, land of spiritual harmony. And then it's to Jerusalem for World Interfaith Harmony Week 2020, where many will gather for healing and deep transformation. The culmination of all this is the Caravan of Unity across America in September 2020, beginning on the West Coast and finishing back in New York, where it began on the International Day of Peace, September 21st. For more information and to get on the road, go to unity.earth and follow the links to the road to 2020. Welcome. This is Dr. Kurt Johnson, the host of The Convergence on Voice America. And we're really happy to be here today to continue the conversation that we began in episode two 
on spiritual practice. And as many of you remember, our guests on that episode were Father Thomas Keating, Locke Kelly, Ken Wilbur, Annie Lena Brower, and Karuna. And we're so happy then today, as we promised, to have Karuna and Elena back for a video discussion about all things yoga. So these actually follow on some discussions we just did a bit ago, which you'll also find here with uh, Karuna and Shiva Ray. So let's do this. Let's have each of Elena, starting with Elena and then Karuna, say hello, welcome each other, welcome the audience, and just a little bit about who you are, where people can find you, and then I will throw out the first discussion question. First of all, thank you so much for having me, Kurt. My name is Elena Brower. I have been teaching yoga since 1999, teaching meditation for the past, let's say, 10 years. Um, I relish my job as a mother first, and then I am a yoga teacher. I am an author, speaker, leader, entrepreneur, philanthropist. That is my um, proud resume at the moment. I love teaching. I relish the opportunity to talk about yoga because it's played such a huge role in my own life. And I just want to say once again, thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. So Karuna Ji, welcome. Hi, everyone. Again, it's so great to be back and to be with uh, my dear sister, Elena. Mm. She, she means so much to me. She brings the giggle out in mm. me. And anyone who can do that, <laughs> I'm sold in a half a second. So thank you, sis, um, for being here. I know you're very busy, and we're so blessed to have you on the planet doing what you're doing. Mm. And you too, Kurt. Thanks for having me back. Such a such a beautiful um, place to be, to be able to speak and to honor the teachings of Yogi Bhajan and Guru Ram Das, who brings restores broken destiny and brings us back to the miracle of who we are, our, our authentic voice. So how do we find that through practice, through long devotional um, awareness and opening of the heart consistently, opening of the heart on a daily basis? So between Elena, Shiva, myself, and all the other great, not that I'm great, but the great yoga teachers out there. You are great, excuse humbly, me. I want to humbly thank you for enjoying the Kundalini yoga practice and understanding that my purpose with light on Kundalini and to build the app that we're working on right now and filming every class um, and humbly bowing to the presence of the practice. I'm just grateful to be here. I'll be going to the European Yoga Festival in a couple of weeks, sharing the practice with 4,000 people and teaching. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on a slope that's heading up. So I'm humble to be here. Thank you. Sounds great. Well, so a big shout out and a big hug then to everybody in the Global Yoga Communities, also mentioning I serve on the UN Committee for International Yoga Day, so it's great to be in the thick of it. So right then over to Elena on this question, why the passion of yoga in your life, in anyone's life, and why it's so important in the world today as a transformative process. So Elena. The way that I see it, yoga is here to help us get back to our original nature, which is happiness, contentedness. There isn't really a particular practice out there aside from yoga 
that's meant to kind of strip away all the veils. And by yoga, I mean including the meditation practice, which is the real yoga in ancient teachings, to really strip away all of the misunderstandings that we constantly sustain in our minds, all of the doubts, all of the fears, all of the misperceptions. Yoga is meant to strip away all of it to reveal what is left at the source of it, which is just a happy, contented sense of love in every person, no matter who or what you are. And for the practice, for me, is really about what is the efficacy of the practice when I'm finished practicing? How present can I be for my family? How calm can I be when I'm feeling confronted? How easeful can I be when I feel like I'm in the presence of a strong difficulty, a strong tragedy? Those are the questions that I ask when I am talking about the efficacy of a practice for anyone, including myself. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no doubt whether we continue on the discussion that Locke and Father Keating and Ken had about just the whole internal life in general, let alone the embodiment of that in a yoga practice, that it's a whole different world once we shed this idea of who we thought we were and we start to understand who we really are in this more cosmic, divine, universal consciousness self that we all carry. So Karuna, coming from a tradition that is so steeped in that, Yogi Bhajan, Guru Ramdas, uh, what do you have to say about all that? Why yoga is your passion and yoga as a passion and as a practice? Well, it's daily. It's moment by moment, like choosing a blue to put on today. I, I ask myself why, and then it has all these rivers and these these little etchings of the planet and of all the, in the world, the universe that we live in. And so I thought, oh, wow, this is a really amazing, you know, journey we're on. And we're going down these flows of these rivers. And I was speaking to somebody yesterday, when you block the Ganga, when you put a stone or you put a dam and you block the Ganga, the Mata Ganga in India, it doesn't flow and nor do we. So we're all intertwined in this practice. So if we can just add the union, the yoke of the yoga to the source of our awareness and understand that when Elena said, you know, when we're in difficulties and challenge, hey, can we sit in that and be grounded in that and go, oh yeah, oh, this is, the, this is why I do the yoga. Let's see how good I am during this process and this challenge. And uh, let's really feel where that's really poking, provoking and confronting me. And then let's see if we can take the meditation and elevate it. Let's see if we can remember in our, from our toolkit this meditation. Oh yeah, that's the one we did where we just did Satanama, or we did Adi Shakti, Adi Shakti, Adi Shakti, Namo Namo. And that just cleared the path. So, you know, the sutra for this year in the white tantric is the cosmos, call on the cosmos. And I hear so many teachers right now in every path, every walk of life, calling on the cosmos because we have so been reliant on those diplomats and those politicians to step up and, and take us, take care of us. And yet they have shown us we're not here to do that. So where do we go and how do we open up? And so that's the revelation I feel every day through the sadhana practice, through the more early morning practice. And so if I work on myself, then I can go out and present teaching every day. If I don't work on myself, big change. 
for, you know, I, I have no reason to even leave the front door, honestly, unless I've done a substantial, even if it's three minutes, it's substantial. I'm not talking two and a half hours, although that would be ideal. But, you know, whatever comes through at that moment, just like what you choose to put on your skin, where are you going with the depth of, is it really going in or is it superficial and just staying on the outside? So like Elena used strip away, I like to seep in and relish in the strength, the courage that it takes to say, no, thank you. I'm not participating at this time. So at this time means let me just see if I can have a breakthrough in 40 days. So that's the technology and the science behind Kundalini Yoga that actually never promises anybody anything, but yet gives you an elevated state by the time you end that 90 minute class or that three minute meditation, you can get there, you can cut right through. So Yogi Bhajan said 22 years, we don't have it any longer to, to master practice. You can master practice in one year with Kundalini Yoga. If you just keep practicing and it's adding Elena's practice, adding Sean Korn's practice. I mean, when Sean taught a class the other day, I was like, I came in all white petticoats and everything. I couldn't even open my legs <laughs> to do the lunges, sweating, you know, in the heat of Colorado. And it was just hilarious that she came over and said, how are the kids? And I was like, I love you. You know, it's just like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are, just go and practice. And no matter what condition, all of a sudden you use your white clothing and your petticoats to your, as your towel. You know, you just find a way through every block. So, Yeah, so over to Elena, it's so interesting because in the long run, people figure out, usually after a bit of the school of hard knocks, that this ought to be about their well-being. And maybe they've ever, never even thought about their birthright to well-being uh, before. But this sense of stability and the feeling and knowing of why you're here and that deep well-being. So, Elena, uh, back to you. You know, I think the most important way that I can look at my practice, and I practice Kundalini, I practice Para Yoga, I practice just Hatha Yoga, Katona Yoga, all of these are means to help me show up in my relationships in the most constructive and beneficial way. And if I'm doing that, I'm free. I'm free from the patterns that hold me back. I'm free from assuming that other people are in some destructive pattern. I'm free from all of the judgment and the fear that come along with any sort of daily existence. Mm -hmm. I use the practice and my prayer is that all of us, may all of us use the practice to show up for our lives in a beneficent, constructive way so that all of the people around us, whether they practice yoga or not, can be set free by our presence in the space. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a nice recapture of Ken Wilber's message here in episode one of wake up, grow up, clean up, and show up. And your life is very different after you've done the closet cleaning, uh, which you wake up that you need to do. So absolutely. the world is a better place. <laughs> very different place. So Karuna, back to you. Well, it was really sweet. Yesterday I had my little nephew 
uh, eight years old and he, he's very shy in the beginning, you know, but eyes wide open because, you know, these kids, they can see, they can see the glow. <laughs> they can see the difference, right? So big football family comes to visit, you know, and, and uh, nephew, like, you know, and it's so sweet when you know the nectar is going to eventually flow in and he's going to be right on your lap, right? You hope that anyway, and he was, and it makes you extremely cozy because you have that loving ability to offer something. And, you know, we ended up on the floor doing, you know, easy pose and half a lotus and triangle pose, you know, just little things and how to just sit, you know, eight years old, they're like that, <laughs> eight years old, like, you know, and then when you give them that, mm. they're like, oh my God, I'm, and their eyes open up and you see their youth and their beauty and, you know, and, and it's just, so it's every day, every day blessing, you go day to day, you don't know where you're going to end up in the end of that day. But, you know, just like India, when you go to India, you have to prepare yourself the minute you step out of your ashram door, the whole world's going to change in front of you. And what makes you resilient and ready? And also the opposite of that, with the, the spiritual, you know, spiritual, what do we call that, Kurt? when people really start to believe they are the teacher and they are the one to deliver the, and you know, and the almighty comes through me. And so there's really such a divine fine line of where am I in this? Like these rivers on my blast, where am I in this? And where do I, can I just consistently flow into this and welcome new practice all the time? Jump in anyone's class all the time. Be ready to, because what happened after that class was a humongous breakthrough, you know, of just, just and sitting with my little Brody, just a wonderful breakthrough for him. He became very curious about what is it in Coca-Cola? <laughs> really? It has, you know, gasoline and, you know, because these, some of these kids, they're raised. And so I think it's really important to be able to deliver with courage and strength to people that don't have any clue what you're doing and why you're so, you know, all about the health and all about the food and all about the prana. You feel the prana in the food. Otherwise, let's just skip the meal, you know, and bless it. So, I mean, absolutely. So, Elena, you know, when we're talking about how the experience of any spiritual practice that comes with these types of, of gifts, how it becomes such a turnaround in, in everyone's life, you know, how you see that, how you've seen that in your students, and then why that's your life's work now to bring that to people. How would you kind of summarize that and, and put that in the nutshell if we're going to kind of wind up this part of the conversation with, uh, with some last little epitaphs on uh, what we've been uh, chatting about. I think the first priority of any practice is a tranquil mind, period. Anything that we can do to uh, move ourselves in that direction, to help recognize that the manifestations of others and of ourselves that are unsavory and difficult to manage, they're all just misunderstandings. 
and to get us back to a tranquil mind through the practice, whatever it happens to be, whether it's breath work or movement or a lunge or a meditation or arms in the air or chanting, whatever it is, does it bring me back to a tranquil mind? And does that tranquil mind translate into how I'm behaving in my family? Those are the questions that we want to ask of our practice. Yeah, how to be here and how to have that be super okay. How to, that, to feel so grounded in the okayness of being here and, and feeling that in the most visceral way. So, Karuna, what would you say about that as a, as a sign of that? to that brilliant thought and, and understanding is, is that we're human, you know, as teachers, we're human beings. And of course, we're chameleon in a way where we feel and we'll, and we'll you know, we'll take all that, ah, I wish... I've always wished that for everyone, though, to have the experiences I've been blessed to have. I've always wished that, but then I don't wish when, you know, when I go through my dark night of the soul. I don't wish that upon anyone, but then I'm so grateful and that I'm strong enough, enough to get through the dark night of the soul and then to reap the benefit the next day of the dark night of the soul or the next three weeks, the dark night of the soul. That just really, whoo. You know, it can last four hours. It can last days. So it's not just necessarily a kundalini yoga awakening at all. It's not that. And it's so easy to throw things on your practice and then don't show up again. Because yeah, it's you, the it's that. It's that. And it's not. It's us. It's our authentic self. Just need And we're actually blessed. Like, you know, when people go through heartbreak or relationship. It's actually somebody's paying attention to me to move me. Yes, it's very hard to get rid of these attachments, but and the suffering is so deep, but how is it that I'm so blessed to actually have it happen to me? So how can we reverse the role of this is the most you know terrible thing in my life as to but this is the biggest blessing of my life? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. You know, Yogi Bhajan talks about neutral mind. And Surya Das, in his discussion with me, was saying that when you're on a roller coaster at the theme park and having a great time, you don't think of up as good and down as bad. So, uh, you know, we have to learn this mastery, like you said, with all the dynamics in our lives, to be okay with that balance and all of the different dimensions that it has, like in music, from adagio to scherzo, and we're going to have both in our lives. So let's let Elena sum up here. If you were going to kind of sign us off of this part of our discussion with some real final words to the to all of our listeners about that part of yogic practice how would you kind of sum that up and then we'll uh, we'll move on i think to define neutral mind as a state in which your body is holding no tension with any of it is an important distinction to have when we're looking at the practice, again, no matter what the practice, no matter what tradition or what teacher, does it bring me back to a neutral mind in which my body is holding no tension with any of it? That is a really important understanding to host and hold in our bodies and will, as I said before, positively infuse all of our relations with the practice. That's so great. So you've been listening now on Voice America on the Convergence to Karuna and Elena Brower talking about yoga and all that's in that uh, gift that it brings. And we're going to be back again with another segment in a moment that we're really looking forward to asking each of them to share 
some practices with us. So uh, Karuna and Elena, thank you so much. And uh, we'll sign off for now and we'll be back again in just a moment. Over the last 18 months, this Convergence radio series has been covering events on the road to 2020. Launched in New York in 2016, the Road to 2020 is a series of global events bringing greater visibility to the work of unity, peace, justice, harmony, and world transformation. Events so far have included the Crestone Convergence in Colorado, the return to country of Mungo Man in Australia, and Uday Festival in Ethiopia. Next along the road is the Toronto Convergence, coinciding with the Parliament of World's Religions in November 2018. 2019 will showcase Uday Festival in India, land of spiritual harmony. And then it's to Jerusalem for World Interfaith Harmony Week 2020, where many will gather for healing and deep transformation. The culmination of all this is the caravan of unity across America in September 2020, beginning on the West Coast and finishing back in New York, where it began on the International Day of Peace, September 21st. For more information and to get on the road, go to unity.earth and follow the links to the road to 2020. Welcome back to the Convergence on Voice America. You've been listening to our discussion, Spotlight on Yoga, first with Karuna and Shiva Ray, and just now with Karuna and Elena Brower. In this segment, we're going to go to a discussion between Karuna and Sanatam Kar. Now, Sanatam Kar is really already a legend in sacred music. She's a household word. You can actually see more about her at her bio at our webpage, both at Voice America and at Unity Earth. So this is a discussion between Karuna and Sanatam that frames a spiritual practice video that, again, is at our Convergence webpage at www.unity.earth slash convergence. Just scroll down to Episode 5. And it's also linked in the magazine under Spotlight on Yoga. So visit there and take a look. What we're going to be sharing with you here are their discussions on both sides of that practice segment. So let's go to that now. Now, they're going to begin with intoning the practice session that we have for you on the video at the webpage, and then they'll move on to their discussion. So here we go. Right over to welcoming Karuna and Sanatam Kar. Grace is 
needed in such a place now that I felt it was so important for us to meet again and do our second interview and have some time to really cherish friendship, sisterhood, adulthood, motherhood, wifehood, <laughs> all the roles we play, Sonata. Yes, under the hood. <laughs> under the hood. <laughs> oh, I'm working for ourselves. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's been a big part of my process, um, especially since the November elections and uh, November 2016. Here we are in 2017, and it was um, it was an intense process for me in realizing how divided our country was, how much despair there is, and um, and suffering on a real level, and also just tuning in to how dependent people are on drugs, whether they're, you know, prescription or um, uh, recreational. recreational. It's just, I feel like it's, it's really numbing uh, so much of us, so many of us, and so much of our society is changing because of that. And, you know, as people of consciousness, um, I really struggled at that time for how to, you know, rise up out of the feelings that I was feeling, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. even without experiencing financial strain and dependence on drugs and and um, sensations of, of hate and all of those things mm-hmm. that are so prevalent in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a real sense of of despair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a person of spirit and wanting to feel a sense of hope and love and light mm-hmm. that I really journeyed through um, those sensations. And, and it was really, really interesting because what I came back to, what the most important action was to show up to be in a centered place, to be in a place of love and light. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, to um, to show up for for my neighbors, to show up for my community, um, to um, show up for the environment. But in order to show up for all of those things, I had to show up for myself first. And so it came back to the simple... Um, having the capacity to breathe, mm-hmm. to move, and to chant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and that's a real basic formula that I'm sure you're aware of that mm-hmm. Yogi Bhajan gave, um, you know, the breath to be able to access mm-hmm. your spirit and mm-hmm. with movement to be able to release and... Um, give yourself that vitality and move energy and then mm-hmm. chanting to to integrate that energy in and and to trust that energy of upliftment. Um, so chant so that's interesting because we do move but to chant that energy into that spirit and then to move that energy of chanting the sound current, right? To into the spirit that you've just moved the body 
right? So you awaken the body and then you chant with that newly awakened body and it only takes a minute, right? It takes 30 seconds. It takes no... Actually, it just takes you to think about it to activate it. Mm -hmm. But when you said chanting in that spirit, chanting into those layers, can you speak more about the understanding of chanting? Um, Yeah, I mean, the... um, When we do yogic movement and especially with kundalini yoga, we're healing ourselves on a, on a psychic level, on an energetic level. Mm-hmm. The exercises are really powerful that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but to really solidify the healing, mm-hmm. to integrate it, to trust it, mm-hmm. um, that's when the chanting uh, comes in. Okay. And then, then we can truly integrate all of that healing that's happened with the breath work, um, with the movement, and then and then chant. It's a really really simple formula um, that I feel is um, it's got to get out there. You know that people can can experience these three simple steps. So we could do a really simple little exercise. Okay. Series. Let's do that. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> Can I just go and get my... I'm going to go get my notes. Make sure I teach it right. Which one are you going to do? Uh, relieving stress. Great. Are you into it? Yeah. Okay. Go my notes are just notes. right go up there. I'll take the microphone with me. Okay. <laughs> I'll never go. <laughs> Okay. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So, what I what I really wanted to share with you and all of that is, it's kind of I, I don't feel like talking anymore. I just feel like sharing and teaching because these tools, Kundalini Yoga, Yogi Bhajan, are so powerful, and that people can just sit down, do this, and it's not like you just do it once and then all your problems are solved like that. It is. But then, because life is cyclical, as the sun rises and sets, as, as, as the same as we rise and fall, and we have emotions, we have feelings, and we meet the crisis and have to meet the crisis and go through it and pass through it, and there is always a victory when you show up on the other end, but you do have to have a regular practice. So if somebody was watching this for the first time, I would say, take this practice tuning in the practice itself and long time sun and start doing it every day Perfect. and just you know and, and because it builds up the energy the reserve energy so even, even if you're having a great day you're not feeling stressed out you do it and it builds up an energy reserve or it allows you it takes you through any stress do it once a day do it twice do it three times a day yeah. do it at, you know at work when yeah. things are crazy just yeah. take a break and your meditation so the the key here is consistency mm-hmm. in practice mm-hmm. and then then we're able to you know show up for each other mm-hmm. um, and and in the kundalini yoga practice as um, as you deepen into it the practices become longer and more involved and there's all sorts of 
ways to explore um, building your practice. But um, even if you've been in the practice forever, mm-hmm. you know, having that consistency mm-hmm. is so key. Mm-hmm. And then remembering to come back to it. Mm-hmm. That was the thing for me. It was when um, I experienced the heaviness of um, November 2016 and everything that, that I went through and our country went through, it took me a little while to remember, oh yeah, I have this tool, and oh yeah, I need to come back to it and be present here for it in order to have any um, positive contribution. And, um, and it worked, and it was beautiful. Um, so... Uh, that's really, really what I wanted to share with you. Thank you for giving me the oh, the opportunity. You know, it's our, our blessing to have you, and um, and thank you for giving us this time. And I hear your jungle calling you. <laughs> <laughs> My subject. <laughs> You're the subject. So I just, you know, exactly how I feel day to day in the lifestyle of this practice. It's made me so quiet. I really do sit in the stillness of this knowledge, wisdom, and grace that you've shared and honestly held my hand through the whole thing, whether you know it or not. I'm, I'm just... Sister is so big to me, and you're such a beautiful sister, and you're so trustworthy. Whether you like to hear that or not, <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karuna and Sanatam, for that inspiring discussion. And audience, be sure and check out the practice video they refer to. It's at www.unity.earth/convergence, episode five, and also linked in the magazine at Spotlight on Yoga. And thank you, Karuna, for bringing together such an amazing group of leading yoginis. So, wow, what a special conversation we've had here and rich that we've had here about yoga. So now to close this all out, we really have an additional treat. Two people who know yoga very well on the worldwide stage can help further shape our understanding of all that we've just heard. There's no doubt that yoga is both big and important in the world today, and we're so happy that a major section of our new magazine, Light on Light, features these same yoga leaders. So our two guests to wrap up this discussion on yoga are Denise Scotto and Irina Morrison. Denise is the chairperson of the United Nations Committee for International Yoga Day, and Irina Morrison from Australia is a yogini who is also a director of communications for our host sponsor, Unity Earth. So let's start with Denise. Uh, Denise, can you uh, tell us not only about yourself, but also about the United Nations NGO Committee for International Yoga Day, what it does, and your role as chairperson? Thank you, Kurt. Of course. I'm so delighted to be part of today's event. And it's my privilege to serve as the founding chair of the International Day of Yoga Committee at the United Nations. I came to yoga not as someone who went to the yoga studio to practice the yoga asanas. I was a practicing attorney in the public interest and came to one of the eight limbs of yoga that Patanjali had talked about, which was meditation. And that really opened up my soul in a way that I could never have expected. 
the work that I've been doing with the United Nations International Day of Yoga Committee really came about because the General Assembly of the UN back in December 2014 adopted a resolution proclaiming June 21 as the International Day of Yoga. But the resolution recognizes that health is so critical in foreign policy because at the UN, there are many different ways to create a better world. And health is such a building block to create people who are well, who are productive, who are happy. And health is a very important key development goal that the UN has as part of its new sustainable development goals or the new 2030 development agenda. The resolution talks about health, but not just about physical health. And this is a major advance in the UN's thinking because it also talks about well-being, the well-being of the individual, which includes the emotional and the mental state. So one of the things that the International Day of Yoga Committee at the UN does is to really raise awareness about the resolution, but also to raise awareness about the fullness and the richness of yoga and how yoga is so critical in its many wonderful forms. The other thing about the International Day of Yoga Committee at the UN is we try to organize events that highlight different topics that the UN is working on at any given moment so that we can show how the fullness and richness of yoga really fits into the various themes that the UN is working on aside from health. You know, many of us understand that the fullness and richness of yoga allows an individual to realize union of one's inner and outer life, but also a connection to our shared humanity, to each other, and then to our natural world, and how we are interconnected with the web of life. So yoga can bring us an appreciation for others who can appear different from us, who have a different background, who seem unfamiliar, and really allow us to go deeper into the underlying values and the principles of yoga, the core beliefs, which I believe are the core beliefs of the United Nations, such as unity, oneness, tolerance, acceptance, compassion, harmony, and peace. The UN is about promoting and advancing a culture of peace and nonviolence, and that is what yoga does. The UN is about sustainability with our natural world, but also with lifestyles and having a simpler lifestyle. And that's what yoga teaches us, and we can learn from yoga practices about this. At the same time, though, when we understand that we do have the shared humanness and that there is something greater than us, it could really lead to collective action, us joining together so that we can undertake positive change and really create a better world and a more peaceful world for everyone. So that's uh, a lot of the work and the mission and the principles of the International Day of Yoga Committee at the UN in a nutshell. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. And, boy, we thank everybody who's on the UN committee for this amazing phenomena that has now happened in the world, the uh, International Day of Yoga. So, Irina, let's go over to you. You have a quite 
huge overview of all these spiritual activities worldwide by working with all of Unity Earth's global events, most recently in Australia and Ethiopia. And you are also a practitioner and teacher of yoga. So tell us a bit about how you see yoga in the world now and its role as a central spiritual practice today in nearly every country of the world. Thank you, Kurt, and thanks for having me. Um, there certainly has been an increase in yoga practice throughout the world in recent years. Um, yoga is more and more recognized as a healing modality for physical, mental, and spiritual body. Um, I teach up to 60 students per week, and the motivation varies. Um, some want to reduce stress and anxiety. Um, some want to work on their strength and flexibility. Some have been referred by their medical practitioners, and some just want to try something new. Um, that all confirms the vast spectrum of benefits yoga offers. There are so many aspects to yoga practice, but the most important one is unification of mind, body, and spirit. Um, yoga is a non-denominational practice. Everybody is welcomed, regardless of their background or their belief system. Um, yoga opens you to the sense of oneness as it shows how we deal with ourselves and others. Building the awareness of your body builds the awareness of your feelings and the world around you, um, therefore awareness of the needs of others. Working through a difficult asana teaches you patience, uh, forgiveness, and to move through difficulty with loving grace and gentleness. For a um, long-term practitioner and yoga teacher like myself, it's very inspiring to see yoga taking central stage all over the world. And it's really obvious, no matter what part of the world I travel to, I see yoga studios everywhere, yoga clothing for sale, um, mats, props, um, everything yoga is available everywhere and it's absolutely wonderful to see that. Um, I can definitely use um, Serbia as an example um, as I was born and raised in Serbia and still have strong ties to the place through family and property. For these reason, uh, reasons, I've been visiting there every year for the last four years, and the increased presence of yoga is absolutely undeniable, as well as people's interest and curiosity about yoga. And here we're talking just um, about a small country in Europe that's been through so much political struggle, division, and heartache. Um, still, somehow, yoga has made its way through. Um, in all honesty, it does not surprise me, um, not only because yoga has so many benefits to offer, but also because it's an endless journey. Every time you go deeper into the pose, it takes you places you've never been before. Wow, thanks so much, uh, Irina. Now I wanted to see if I could go over to uh, Karuna, Irina, and uh, Denise and ask Karuna if she has any questions that she'd like to field to them and just uh, wrapping this up and having them chat for a couple minutes. Well, how lovely are you? Thank you so much for this time and space with the Divine Feminine. 
will just observe and be grateful for the UN. Thank you, Denise, so much for getting this building block activated and and June 21st activated this International Day of Yoga. This is huge. These eight limbs of yoga in which you learned from and the aspect of meditation intrigued me in your conversation here. As Yogi Bhajan has taught, um, you know, asana, yes, but really getting to move the bodies in order to sit still to meditate um, and to work on those subconscious patternings in the meditation that raise awareness about resolution and fullness and richness in our yogic practice. So I just want to thank um, both of you and honor you both for coming into Light on Light as you are and to ask you to come as much as you can and bring that richness in these different forms of your offerings because this connection with you and I and Light on Light and all this divine feminine and masculine is about unity, oneness, harmony, and peace, and it's harmless, and it's we need you. So, yes, I can use the word need right here, <laughs> permission, but, you know, as far as you are, Denise, concerned, do you, I know many practitioners of kundalini yoga on my path have talked about being at the UN before, uh, decades ago, and are really excited that you've opened this up again, as I spoke about it at the European Yoga Festival in France in July. So, can you speak a little bit more about how we can be more involved with this day, this International Yoga Day? Sure. We need everybody. I like the way you said it just a little while ago about needing. I think that it's about all of us coming together so that we can help each other and that we can build and create even deeper energies and more positive energies and bringing brighter, brighter light into the work of the UN and into the work of the staff at the UN. It's so critical. I've seen that throughout the years. The UN has had a long history with yoga because we have had Sri Chinmoy who had conducted peace meditations at the UN on a regular basis for decades. And it would be a silent meditation to really um, bring the vision and the uh, ideal of world peace and nonviolence uh, into the UN and into the consciousness of everyone working in the UN. So to me, it seems like we are building with the International Day of Yoga on that legacy. And we are happy to partner with people all over the world as they celebrate the International Day of Yoga at the UN. We have a Facebook page www.facebook backslash yoga day committee where we're happy to post information about the events that are happening in local communities and photos about what's happening in local communities but also projects as well as how people are coming together to really change the lives of people in a day-to-day way where it really makes a difference in their daily needs of living Um, so it's Wonderful that uh, we can be in touch with this kind of technology and with social media so that we can 
collaborate in one way or another. If people are available to come to New York to attend the official observance, that's wonderful. But one of the things that I and the committee believe is that we like to take the U.N. out to local communities. It's not just about people coming to the U.N. or us being involved at the U.N., but how can the U.N. come to you? So that's another thing to explore as well as we move forward and we keep celebrating and understanding the fullness and richness of yoga as we mark June 21, as we go forward uh, and mark that and celebrate Yoga Day. Thank you so very much. And Irina, you're from Serbia. I mean, can you talk about the collective actions and consciousness around where you were brought up just briefly and how yoga has worked on you in an intimate way as from your lifestyle as a child in Serbia to you now? Um, I definitely feel um, deeper connection to um, place or Serbia as a place as well as people uh, through the um, increased awareness of yoga. Um, I have moved um, to Australia 25 years ago. Um, so I have, um, all, over the time, I have lost that connection with Serbia as a place. Um, but now that, that I once um, it's yeah, it's just wonderful to have that connection again. Well, I know Serbia needs you again to bring that home, and <laughs> as I, we I work on um, so many rebirthing yeah. um, workshops here in Boulder, Colorado, with uh, Kundalini Yoga, we look back on um, on coming from where we originally were born and in the womb of the mother and the rebirth every day of the subconscious patternings through the meditation. So, you know, our history and our foundation starts where we were, where we were born. And it's so unique and authentic to work with a yogic practice in this such way. And I just thought you probably have been experiencing this. All right. Well, this has been such a wonderful discussion to wrap up from this uh, global perspective. So, Denise and Irene, I really thank you so much. And a big thank you also to all the others who've been on this special on Voice America Spotlight on Yoga with Light on Light magazine. Now, just to remind the audience, Light on Light magazine is free, and you can read it by simply going to its Internet link. And you can find that link at Light on Light at Facebook. If you click like at the Facebook page, you'll also receive updates on the next magazine issues. And the other way is to email editor at lightonlight.us. That's editor at lightonlight.us. Now, the concert in Boulder is April 10th for those who are in that area and that region. So if you're out there, get the word out, let people know about it. Also remember that the video practices that are associated with the segments of today's show by Shiva Ray and Elena Brower, Sanatam Kar, and uh, Karuna are at the website www.unity.earth slash convergence at episode 5 and also linked in the magazine at Spotlight on Yoga. Now the Convergence Show on Voice America will be back soon with specials on global events, global activism, and global visioning, especially as we head toward the Parliament of World Religions in Toronto, Canada, 
and a special Unity Earth Festival in Australia this fall. So our newsletters will let you know about that, and if you've either liked the Light on Light Facebook page or sent us your email to editor at lightonlight.us, you'll be hearing about everything we're doing. Okay, it's then to wrap up. So, Karuna, anything you want to say just to say uh, sign off, say thank you to everybody, and uh, just to wrap up in a second or two this amazing discussion that we've had on Spotlight on Yoga. Wanting to thank everyone that has joined us today on um, this wonderful occasion and just be safe and healthy and happy and wholesome in your homes and bring together this light and understand that through the darkness we find the light and through the awareness we find the heart and through the heart we love each other as a community of like-minded beings and I just... I'm so full of gratitude and compassion and thankfulness. Thank you, Kurt Johnson. You are amazing. Thank you all. Well, thanks to everybody who's been a part of the program. We hope you've enjoyed it. So we look forward to our next broadcast on Voice America. In the meantime, we really hope that you're all going to enjoy the new magazine, Light on Light. So enjoy it and let people know about it. So love to all. <laughs> 